What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. Baby, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Ready to do another pod, get into this basketball evolution. You know, we try and drop some real knowledge on the people. Uh, congratulations to those frauds, Oklahoma, for making the uh, college football playoff, by the way. I just want to shout that out to you. Y'all got four wins in two years, right? Arkansas Razorbacks. Man, now ain't the time. All right. All right. People don't, on don't disrespect my team. Don't disrespect my team until you I win. I congratulated you, nope. and this is how you're going to hey, act? Nah, don't call my team a fraud until your team wins over four games. Over four games. That's it. You want to take this outside? I mean, we can take this <laughs> off the pod, man. I ain't got to get personal. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I want to shout out another podcast. I want to shout out the Drunk Sports Podcast. Um, they do live recordings on Wednesday nights, which hosts Big Red and IndyCar Tim. They're based out of Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, they do it on Facebook Live and YouTube Live from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Central. Check them out, man. Shout out, okay? Big Red and IndyCar Tim. Yes, sir. Good. Give them a listen when you can, folks. Um, man, let's get to it. We got a lot going on in the NBA right now. Uh, a lot, first of all, a lot of people been hating on, on our show last week because <laughs> someone said that Russell Westbrook wasn't the top 50 player of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought it was crazy at the time when, when, when it was said, but I was like, yo, it's going to be hard to find 50 better than Russ. Yeah, you're, you're an idiot. I don't even know. I don't even know how you could even come to that conclusion. Like I said, you look through that list. You got Dave, Bing, Nate, Archibald. And you have the audacity to say Russ isn't top fifty. At the very least, he takes Oscar Robinson's position because he did what Oscar did three times in a row. He he tripled what he did. That very least, just take Oscar. I'll put him on it. When when Russell get a ring, then he can take somebody with a ring spot. He gonna have to take a ringless person spot. Gonna take somebody with a ring spot. You lost uh, your damn mind. So who's now, spot, so who spot Robert Horry take? No, nah, see it ain't the same. <laughs> it ain't the same. It's always old, but it ain't the same. No, it ain't the same. What? what so what, I'm supposed to. So was Robert he a, Horry better than Mike? Was he was he an integral part of every championship he played in? Absolutely. All right. So he don't gotta in take the playoffs. So he don't gotta in take the playoffs. He, he don't gotta take Mike position, but he taking somebody of rings matter. Shit. It don't gotta be Mike's, but it's gonna be Shit. something. Cause he got when Robert Dory can carry a team to a title, then you get back to me. Shit, he got seven rings. Now and he was a very integral part of those, <laughs> those <laughs> rings. I'll give yeah, it all right, that. Yeah. But we um, let's not get sidetracked on your ignorance. I will concede <laughs> Russell Westbrook after doing after upon further review, as the hey, listen, if NFL refs can get everything wrong. Even though with it, there's evidence in their face, NBA refs the same way, hey, everybody's wrong sometimes. You know what happens. What he's not telling you is he read my blog that will be up on the Too Smart Network website that thoroughly convinced him that he was wrong. Thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, man. Um, we got what we wanted. Mark uh, Dave Fisdale has been fired as the New York Knicks head coach um we don't really have to worry about seeing those lineups anymore we still got one real bad coach in the nba he resides in chicago um but what do you think about this about time man i I think he lost the team you get all these reports saying that the players were backing them the players wanted them there but the players didn't show it they lost two games by 81 points combined like 
I don't know what's going on there. His rotations were crazy. Not only are he is he playing those players, but the way he's rope excuse me, rotating players in and out. Like Alonzo Trier was one of the better players, young talent, sophomore players. Damian Dotson was one of the better young players last year. They let Dotson go for nothing. Yeah, and they're not even no Dotson's on the team, isn't he? Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think I think oh, Dotson's on the team. Damian Dotson. Who's that other cat that was shooting shooting lights out for them last year? He's uh, in Brooklyn now. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. But, yeah, he just they don't even play those guys. Like, they're not even in the rotation. How are you going to be, like, the worst team in the NBA and not playing any of your young guys? And you have a full – like, Knox is getting eight minutes a game. Taj is splitting minutes with Mitchell Robinson. Alonzo Trier isn't even getting off the bench some of the time. Like – Dotson, one of the better shooters that you could develop. He's not. He's playing bad. They're losing, and he's not developing talent. There's no way not you can to do mention that as a coach. they got Dennis Smith Jr. just sitting there chilling. Well, they uh, have been playing Dennis Smith Jr. off the ball, but the problem is now they're trying to play Alfred Payton and Frank. Ne- I mean, they just have. It's a why mess. do you even have Alfred Payton? Like you know what I mean? Like and and that's not on fits. Like the this roster is not on fits. Because oh, oh, don't worry. There was a there was a report that Steve Smith, Steve Mills, he's not going to fire him cuz obviously him and James Dolan's cool and if you know James Dolan, you know he if you cool with him, you're in there. You but, get you keep your job. <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to fire him, but he's going to be reassigned and he's not going to be the GM anymore after that last well, loss. We still got they, Scott Perry. Yeah, well. You know how James Dolan rolls, man. <laughs> if, but th- this roster is a mess, and if you're the Knicks, it's like, look, if any you and I, any competent person come in, and be like, yo, why did we? Julius Randle is the only one I understand, but why do we bring in Zach or uh, 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 Taj Gibson? Why do we bring in Alfred Payton? I mean, you I know, can understand bringing in Taj Gibson because he's cheap. He adds he adds toughness to the team. He can teach. You know, but not uh, playing them. Yeah, not starting them. That's my point. You can bring them to the team cheaply. I mean, you got enough money to burn it. But why are you starting him? You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, Marcus you're, Morris you're can core. Te- yeah, exactly. Marcus Morris. Like again, a great a good player shouldn't be on the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, just shouldn't be on the Knicks. And if you know, you look at the Knicks. If you're anybody, all you, they have a lot of good young players. Yeah, they have a at least they have a lot of good young players with potential. We talked about Dennis Smith Jr. We, I, you and I are higher on Frank Nielakina than a lot of people, and I think that's the casual NBA fan who think he stinks. That dude is a lockdown defender. I mean, he's a problem. And if he were on the that, Clippers or on the Lakers, you would see how good he really was. That's because the casual fan expects every player to average 35 points, 8 assists. Like, there's value. I know. So the problem with Frank is he's always going to be judged by his draft status. He's never really going to be able to get away from his draft status, who he was drafted drafted before. Seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, but you take that out of it, and you just say a good role player that is still growing because he's still growing into his talent. He's still growing in height. Twenty-one years old. You know what I'm saying? He's twenty-one years old. He shows that he has talent, but he's been—he's not been developed. He's been coached horribly, and his confidence is down. He's still playing good basketball. You know who I want to see with New York? Mark Jackson. Because that team has the tools to be a defensive team. You put Mark Jackson in there who's shown he can develop players, who's shown but he can install a defense. As you Now, you and I will get into this during our main segment, but do you think Mark Jackson in 2019, 2020 is a good NBA coach? Yes. I mean, he built, the, he built the dynasty. Not, no, not even – he didn't build the dynasty. He didn't – 
He didn't coach those players up. The reason why Klay Thompson is a two-way player now is because of Mark Jackson, right? Well, that I'll give you, but he didn't, like, Steve Kerr, the the thing that drives me crazy is, like, Steve Kerr took over this ready-made, that wasn't the case, okay? Steve Kerr literally opened that offense up. So so you're talking about offense, but I'm talking about... Defensively, I agree with you. Bringing a coach in that can develop those players because when Mark Jackson had that roster, it looked terrible just like the Knicks roster. You did have Steph Curry and you had Monte Ellis. Other than that, that roster was terrible. So you bring in Mark Jackson and then a good, of course you had to have a good GM to make some moves also. But Mark Jackson was able to develop all those young talents. Harrison Barnes, he developed him. He developed Klay Thompson. Um, he didn't really. De- uh, Draymond Green is iffy because he played under Draymond. He played under Mark Jackson, but he tried his best not to play Draymond. But he didn't really like to play him. So and I and don't that's know. and and that's where I, I question. Yes, be- I mean at, at some point the the talent is undeniable with the Steph Curry with the Clay Thompson. I mean that's undeniable, and I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to minimalize what Mark Jackson did because he did turn that franchise around. He stabilized that franchise, but there's no one on the Warriors that is. He Steph took, Curry, Clay Thompson potential. No, no, but I mean, we're talking. So that's, so that's expectations. You're looking for him to make a jump from the Knicks to winning championships. The Knicks will do good just making a jump from being what they are now to constantly making the playoffs. Mark Jackson I developed agree. them into doing it. But they you also have to realize how toxic Mark Jackson was in Golden State. If you go back and read the, I mean, there's been plenty of articles, reports from players, from people, in that, from coaches that left his staff that this dude was toxic. Not, I mean, we we know the issues of him being a homophobe. We know the issues of him being just a negative Nancy. But it was a toxic, toxic, toxic place. Is he more toxic than Zeke, Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Hard Thomas got a lawsuit. He got like nine. <laughs> so he likes the women, you know. <laughs> Who among us? So we can't listen. If you gonna take Isaiah Thomas, at least I believe that Mark Jackson can develop the players on that roster into a good defensive team. Because like like I said, Damian Dotson, he can defend. Frank Nilakina, he can defend. You got Mitchell Robinson, he can defend. And if if Mitchell Robinson would stop all that goddamn fouling, he'd be your. He, I mean, if he can't stay on the damn court, but is anybody teaching him the techniques? That's I what I'm saying. I don't think he's being developed. That's the problem. You know, it, it's one of those guys. R.J. Barrett's long enough to be a stopper. If if you if you talk to me about Mark Jackson, I'm on the fence about. But if you give me one of those guys like a Steve Clifford. Like, you know, one one of those guys, you know, look at what he's doing in Orlando. You know what I mean? Like a, a young coach who's going to come in and develop. But the Knicks also have to have patience. And, and But the Knicks shouldn't be fucking with anybody that's not named Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, Frank. Uh, basically, if you ain't under 25, we ain't fucking with you in New York for a couple of years. Yeah, they should be getting like 30 minutes a game. Correct. There's no reason why they shouldn't be getting like 30 Correct. minutes a game. You got, you're playing R.J. And that's what got him fired because – now, first you play RJ forty two minutes a game, then you went to play him twenty minutes a game. It's like, come on, Fitz. There's no medium. Like, yeah. let's let's be let's be reasonable adults here. Okay, we drafted this kid number three overall. We got a young, lot of young talent, and we're gonna play him twenty minutes a game. Come on, you gotta go. End of the day, he's just not a good coach. He's definitely not. He's definitely not a head coach. I mean, as an assistant, maybe I don't even know. I mean, seriously, I don't really even know how good of an assistant coach he is. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest. <laughs> remains to be seen yeah. um all right man so the houston rockets 
You already know I don't like watching the Houston Rockets. I don't like anything about the Houston Rockets. I respect James Harden. I respect Russell Westbrook. I, I respect them, but I hate watching them play basketball. They are by far, in a way, my least favorite team to watch. And one thing you did learn, though, is that it's just not on the court. I mean, they're petty like this all the way around. Oh, on and off. It. I mean, uh, what's the GM's name? Uh, Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey. I mean, yeah, they they the are petty. Same dude that made the uh, the comments in China that started the big feud. Yep, they are petty on and off the court, man, and I just can't stand it. So James Harden goes in uh, what was it? The third against the Spurs. Uh, it's fourth quarter, seven minutes fifty no, seconds. No, no, no. I just mean oh, it. I, the couple. Oh, December. Oh, yeah, on December third. Yeah. yeah. And you got James Harden breakaway steal goes dunks the ball. Clearly a bad call by the refs that should have been reviewed, should have been fixed in the first place. I understand why you couldn't do it during the game, but either way. So, Rockets end up losing the game to San Antonio in overtime. Lonnie Hold Walker on. came in. Let's not leave out the fact that at this point where he makes the steal and he goes and dunks the ball at 7 minutes and 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the Rockets are up by 15 points. Rockets are up 15 points, and then the fourth quarter comes around and Lonnie Walker turns into Michael Jordan. <laughs> Uh, what did he score? Twenty eight points in the fourth, or something like that, or was it nineteen the fourth? I mean, I he went crazy. I, I didn't watch it. He went off. So anyway, Rockets end up losing this game in overtime because that's what the Rockets do. Um, they go on. They're like, "Yo, we should have won this game because this Harden dunk didn't count." And they go ahead and protest with the NBA. They file a protest saying that they should be able to, they should be awarded the victory, or they should be able to replay from that seven minute fifty six second mark with the same score, being up fifteen. Emphasizing the fact that they feel like they lost because of a missed dunk with seven minutes fifty seconds while they're up by fifteen. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, and, and the rock and. You wonder, and the Rockets wonder why people hate them, and why no one respects James Harden as a superstar. It's no one likes people outside of fucking Houston. No one likes them. Like, do you like watching the Rockets play? No, I don't. I don't. I hate it. There are people that like watching the Rockets, and there's Who? people that I don't know. I mean, you want me to name everybody in the world like watching the Rockets? Uh, they other have than Houston fan fans? Nah, they have a large fan base. China. Uh, maybe. Well, okay, China. <laughs> I, I'll say possibly. Um, but anyway, the NBA denied it. They're like, yeah, you should have still won the game. So, But they did, lost. Say, they did say that they should have won the challenge. That, that call should have been challenged. They should have yeah. been able to overturn it. So they agreed with the Rockets, but they basically said you had more than enough time to come back from that bad calls. I mean, you're going to get bad calls in NBA. But you can't blame every bad call on the reason why you lost, especially when you blew a 15-point lead. Right. They also fined them $10,000 for their trouble. By the way, Russ Westbrook shooting 21% from the three-point line right now for the season. Be that way. Ben Simmons, did, ben Simmons is shooting worse. <laughs> yeah, but Ben Simmons ain't got them kind of <laughs> expectations. And by the way, while we're on the Sixers, come on, man. What the fuck is going on in Philly? Um, a lot of... They're they're statistically the worst fourth quarter team in the league right now, and we have they they have championship expectations, and they in the fourth quarter flat out stink. You still got Joel Embiid shooting way too many threes for a guy that cannot shoot threes, should not be shooting threes for a guy that could legitimately night to night dominate the post, and yet I'm sitting here, he's only getting ten post touches a game, and I'm sitting here looking at him shoot three pointers and doing that slow ass ball fake. What's yeah, well, what's up? 
One of the reasons why is that Josh Richardson has been hurt for like a week, week and a half. He's big because he's one of the players that can handle the ball and take Ben off the ball so he can go do more post-ups. But, as, man, I just don't know. Ben Simmons not being able to shoot is a problem because you can just play underneath him. It clogs the paint for Joel Embiid. He doesn't have enough room to work. Al Horford handling the ball at the top of the key helps, but at the end of the day, I give Horford that three all day. You know what I mean? So as long as you have a point guard that can't shoot, it's just not their spacing. It's all about spacing. Defensively, I think they're going to be a problem at all times because they're so long. But spacing, I don't know... I don't know if that's going to work in the playoffs. Regular season, they'll be good. I mean, they're not, they're leading the East. They're still a good team. Um, they're going to be they're going to easily be probably a one seed in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm just interested to see when they meet teams like you know Toronto again. You know what I mean? Somebody that can really shoot and make them keep up with that pace with all those big men. So tell me again, using that argument, what's going to change for the Houston Rockets? They have a point guard that cannot shoot. Cannot shoot. It's one of those things to where if James Harden is out of the play, standing there digging in his ass, you still got to count for him because he can knock down bucks. Totally different thing. Totally different offense because nobody stands in the lane. When it gets to playoff time, all they're going to do is spread out. You can't even put anybody in the lane. That's why Chris Paul and James Harden are so dangerous. But you don't have to respect Russell Westbrook's shot. Bro, it doesn't matter. When they spread you out and everybody's around the perimeter, you can stay four feet off of Russell Westbrook. You're not standing in front of him. <laughs> it doesn't sure. matter. There's nobody in the lane in Houston. You don't have a Joel Embiid. Clint Capella is just running to get oops. There's nobody in the lane. They can play off of them all they want. Don't matter. They're not going to stop them and get to the who. When they really get in attack mode, it's early in the season. They're not going to attack like that because it takes so much energy. But when they really start attacking, all you're going to do is see the same thing with Chris Paul and James Harden. They're going to spread you the fuck out and go one-on-one with nobody in the lane. If you pick them up, they're going to kick it out to each other and shoot threes. So, you still bullish on your Phoenix Suns? Yeah, they're going through a losing streak, but, I mean, it was expected. They're they're hitting a tough part of their schedule, and um, DeAndre Ayton's coming back. I mean, that bottom part of the West, that bottom part of the West, I mean, you can can lose a couple games and easily come back and get back in it. They've been playing without— Would you say that the East is is better than the West right now, overall? But for the past couple of years, I've been saying it's deeper. Like, top-heavy, the West has been better, no question. Top four, no question that the West has been better than the East. But as far as like one through ten, I think for like the past three years it's been the East. They've been better one through ten than the West. You know who I think is going to be a real genuine problem? Who? The Indiana Pacers. I uh, said that early in the year and you wasn't on there. I, You know, I, and I guess it, I didn't expect Malcolm Brogdon to be playing the way that he has and taking the leap that he has. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, they got, they got their asses handed to him tonight by the Clippers. Uh, without Kawhi, but that happens. But these do. TJ Warren is has been perfect for them. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, as we said, has been perfect for them. Um, Doug McDermott's Doug McDermott has risen from the dead. And Sabonis, Sabonis, Sabonis has been a beast. Is ball and all they've got to do is drop Victor Oladipo right in now. The hope is that Oladipo can come back and be Oladipo, and, and you know, of course, it's going to take some time to work into that. But um, well, I don't even I think like that he needs to. He even needs to be like all the way Oladipo. Indiana's problem is at the end of games; they can't close out games. So, like, they're in the game towards the end when it gets down to the fourth quarter winning time. Brogdon's good at running the offense, but they don't have anybody that can just go and they know get a bucket, and that's kind of been a problem. Jeremy Lamb was doing that for them earlier in the season. 
Uh, he's kind of faded back, so they need a go-to player they can put the ball in their hands. But so with in, with with Phoenix, we we're talking about Phoenix. They are dropping, but got you also got to remember Aaron Baines has been hurt for like the last two weeks. He was really right. big for them, shooting the three, big big man presence. With him being out, you're playing a lot of Comiskey and Sarge. Too much Comiskey. Too much Comiskey. Not a good defender. Not same things. In the next week, they're about to get Aaron Baines. Well, I think it's two weeks before DeAndre Ayton. Seven games, six games. But they're going to get Ayton and they're going to get Baines back. And when you Baines has been starting most of the season, now you add Aiden and Baines combination to what they've been doing, I think it's going to be a tough team. I don't really pay so much attention to the records this early in the season. It's more of watching how they play, what they do. Uh, and I really like what the Suns are doing. I really like the Pacers. I love the Pacers. If Victor Oladipo can be 60% of what he was, and you drop him with Brogdon, Oladipo, Sabonis, and Turner with TJ Warren, and then they already have a developed bench with uh, T.J. McConnell, who's a tough defender, can pass Aaron the ball. Aaron Holiday, who can shoot. Aaron Holiday, Dermot, who can shoot. Justin Holiday, Justin I mean, Autumn Holiday. Yeah, you, you even got uh, Goga Bazade, who's a rookie, but he's like seven foot two, who's a rim protector, shot blocker. Now Miles yep. Turner's having an awful season, awful season, and they just but gave he, him that money. He's. I. I think he'll turn it around. I, I was watching him a little bit today. I don't think oh, no, he's ever going to be what they what they need him to be. Um, and I'm not sure you can play him and Sabonis together. Um, Sabonis to, seems better. They they didn't play. They didn't play Sabonis with Turner last year. Be to and Turner Turner had a much better season with Thaddeus Young. But when you just play Sabonis, they're a lot better because Sabonis is more versatile. Oh yeah. I mean, and he's a he's a great passer. He's a great screener. He does all the little shit um, that you need a big man. To and do. he's he a he's a better player. post player. So what happens is when Sabonis is in the game, you drop him down as the post player, and you have Turner playing on the outside shooting threes. Yep. <laughs> it just doesn't yep. work for him. I mean, he 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 should be at the rim protecting on defense, but he should his post moves. He has to develop his post game. He's so soft down there, man. So, um couple quick things before we get to the main segment um gordon hayward came back tonight looks good yeah uh as big boston, for that offense big for that offense oh absolutely and, and boston's been playing well without him again another team that you know you plug in a player they're just going to get tougher and you talk about the depth of the east um boston's going to be a problem indy's going to be a problem Miami's um, gonna be a problem. You know, I wasn't I wasn't on Miami, but man, they they have been playing very very good this year. Um, Jimmy Butler I'm, is a throwback '90s type of player, which we're gonna get in into the next segment. Like this 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 new era isn't built for players that just put teams on their back. Like everyone needs somebody, they need a sidekick, they need someone to help them. Not like the '90s. In the '90s, you wanted to be the man. You want to be the guy to carry the team, carry that load. And Jimmy Butler, seemed, he talked like he wanted to be that guy. He got his opportunity, and he's proven every bit that he's that player to carry a team. I mean, he got the player of the week last year. He made this mediocre Miami team look like a contender. Yeah. And, I mean, you he's out there playing with Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, rookie Tyler Hero. I mean, Dragic, Justice Winslow, all the players you would think on the Miami aren't even playing. He's just carrying that team on his back. Him and Bam. Yeah. And I was going to say, Bam has been a very, very nice uh, player for them this year. Yeah. Um, nice development for Bam. Yeah, because it, you, you didn't really see that coming. Um, after the first I, couple I, years, you 
Well, did you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe they didn't, they didn't watch play. Miami. Yeah, I watch Miami all the time. They didn't play yeah. them. Everyone's been waiting for Whiteside to leave so Bam can get the minutes. Every time Whiteside would get hurt for a week, Bam would come in there average 14, 14, 5, 3 steals, 2 blocks. But for some reason, obviously, you're paying them $25 million. Whiteside, you gotta play, of course. Dude. You got to play them. And nobody wanted him. He was toxic. You couldn't trade him to anybody. So you can't just have a $25 million player with like three years left on his contract sitting on your bench. So you kind of had to play the dude, and it just it kept Bam from reaching his full potential. Now that he is actually getting the minutes, you're seeing why Miami made him untouchable for the last two years, even though he wasn't playing the minutes. Dude can do everything. Yeah, he's a nice player. Um, so where would you like to see Kevin Love end up? There, there are rumors Portland. that I want to see him in Portland. Yeah, I wouldn't. That, that's not a bad landing spot. I was trying to really think of a good spot for him. I don't know if Portland. I'd have to think about that with Nurkic coming back. I mean, Nurkic I ain't guess. coming back. You don't think he plays this year? No, nah. no. Nah, he's too big for that foot injury. You risk really fucking him up if he comes back. If he doesn't. If he comes back, it's gonna be like March. He hurt himself late. Yeah, like, it was late. Playoffs. It was like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Nurkic comes back, man. And I don't think yeah. they should let him come back. You got Whiteside there. Um, Zach Collins should be back in February. Um, I, I mean, ain't no point of bringing yeah. him back. I mean, we're being real. Portland ain't winning the championship. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm. Try- I would like to see Kevin Love in Portland. Or damn. And <laughs> uh, I like taking ideas. Uh, I would like to see Kevin Love in Denver. Uh, I, I really would like to see Kevin Love in Miami. I just don't know if Miami has the assets to get him. If you put Kevin Love with what Miami is doing and give them some outside shooting the caliber of Kevin Love with what Jimmy Butler's doing, I think Miami could be a legit contender in the East with the way they defend. I just don't think Miami has the assets to get him from Cleveland. Uh, I don't like the Denver. I mean, you got Paul Millsap. I mean, he's tough. Why? Why? Why would you put him there? I just think I disagree. I think that I think maybe he's a little too old and maybe doesn't play at stop. But in an open an open style like that, I think he'd be good next to Jokic because he doesn't have to go down there and clog that lane. And you're just giving Jokic another reason not to shoot the damn ball. (laughs) <laughs> Which is fair because he doesn't want to do it anyway. I need Jokic to quit fucking passing the ball. It's cute to get ten and ten every game. Like I don't care. You need to start dominating the paint. Just as he's just as good a score as he is passer and rebounder. He needs to start shooting the ball more. Jokic should be shooting the ball twenty times a game. I agree with you. Um do you think that Zion Williamson plays this year? I've I've already said I don't think he plays. Uh, he's going to go the Ben Simmons, uh, 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 Blake Griffin route. I don't think he plays this year. Yeah, I was I was against it. I thought you were wrong, but now I'm starting to lean your way because I think they're starting to see that Alvin Gentry is trash at coaching. <laughs> uh, he's trash at coaching. I mean, he waited a whole what month and a half to play Jackson Hayes Jackson Hayes is I was just gonna say that Jackson <laughs> Hayes has been good when he's on the court there's no reason not to play this dude you're playing Jaleel Okafor and Derek Favors over of the rookie that you just drafted what seventh eighth in the Makes that, no that sense. show that he had extreme talent energy in the offseason uh, it it makes no sense at all. I was, I was watching them play tonight, and, and Josh Hart hit him with a pocket pass. That was so nice. And Jackson Hayes came with this nasty dunk, and it energized everybody. Yeah, um, man, he he has weird rotations too, man. I mean, 
He he doesn't really he's reluctant to really put the ball in Lonzo's hand. He comes from that Golden State style. He's encouraging Lonzo to shoot all those long ass threes, spotting Lonzo up. Lonzo is not good if you want him to be a spot shooter. Even though he's developed no. a good three, Lonzo should have the ball in his hand. I know Drew is really good, but like we said with the Knicks, at this point in time, it's about developing your young talent. Drew Holiday can play off the ball. He can play shooting guard. If you're going to yep. be bad anyway, then at least develop your players. Let yep. Lonzo handle the ball. Drew can play off of it. Put Jackson in there. Play Kenrich Williams, uh, who looks like a solid, good role player. When Zion comes back, he's coming off the bench. I just – so many bad coaches in the NBA, man. There's a lot yeah. of good coaches, but there's just so many bad coaches that just could keep getting job. Gentry was think, terrible with the Suns. Do you think that that's because – a lot of these coaches or or that a lot of these franchises still have not bought into modern NBA or analytics um, because I'm not a big analytics person, but I can definitely see what rotations should be explored more. And I get that there's money issues. I get that there's egos. I get that there's a way you have to run a franchise, but like we talked about fits, there's no reason you should not be playing Jackson Hayes, especially with Zion out. Like you, you, if you're the Pelicans, you need everything you can. All, all I want to see on the floor is, you know what? I, I love Drew Holiday. I wish they would, they would trade him. Yeah, to a I contender. want to trade him too. But all I want to see on the floor right now for New Orleans is Lonzo, uh, Brandon Ingram, basically the entire Lakers, Lakers pack. Josh Hart, <laughs> Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes. That, that's all I want to see on the floor for them. Hey, you know where Drew would be excellent at? I don't think they can get him. But if he goes here, it's guaranteed title. If the Lakers could get Drew Holiday a point guard, it's over. That, it's, it's over. It's, it's, it's it over. really is. I don't want to hear really, nothing about really the Clippers. Is. I don't hear none of that shit. If the Lakers can get Drew Holiday, now there's no way the Pelicans are going to trade Drew and Antonio Davis. No. I mean, never. Anthony Davis. But never. if it could possibly happen... That shit would be over. And I, I'm, a, I'm a Lakers hater, LeBron hater. I don't want to see it happen, but I can concede if that shit happens, it's a wrap. So what is New oh, but you, you know who should try to get them, though? Who? Minnesota Timberwolves. I, yeah, know you want, I know you want to see Chris Paul there. I mean, Drew Holiday would be – I mean, he's better than Jeff Teague. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It can't be any – I mean, I, I, I just want to see Drew go and get a chance to get a ring because – I like that dude, man. And also, now what the fuck do you do with J.J. Reddick? You know, you sign him. J.J. Reddick's never missed the playoffs in his entire career, which is a weird fact, uh, knowing that he played in Orlando and Milwaukee and all these places. But uh, he's just a winner, baby. That's what they say. <laughs> you know, but what, do you, but what do you do with J.J. Reddick now? What do you do? You got to move these guys, do you not? I mean. But it goes back to why did you sign him in the first place? I mean, I know why you signed Drew. I mean that makes sense, but why? Well, sign I know why you signed JJ Reddick. I because you were you think that the Pelicans were not super far out of the the playoff mix last year with all the bullshit they went through. You figure if you add Zion, you get some some excitement. Maybe one or two things go your way. You're fighting for the eighth ninth seed. I get it, but yeah, at this point, it just looks like a bad signing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. It's still time. I think that they're like that's now. Now you're starting to see the reports that Zion. I think they're about ready to throw in the towel on the whole. And I think if it happens, they they'll try to trade Drew. I think they'll try to do the right thing by Drew. I don't know. You've said a few times that they're run by the Bensons, a football family, and 
seldomly do football teams do the right thing. True, so, but, they, but they brought in uh, your boy from Cleveland. That's true. They, they uh, brought Kobe, in him. I mean, Kobe. Yeah. Kobe can get oh. a good deal for Drew. I mean, What's I'm not talking. Kobe Altman. Is it Altman? No. Is that his name? No, we talking. Talk, but up. we know who we talking about. Yeah, <laughs> the GM. And, and they did bring in like Swing Cash, and they brought in uh, Trajan Langdon. So I mean, yeah, I guess things are are changing. I, I, th- I think they can they can do something because you can get a good package for Drew, especially if you oh, trade him to a team like Minnesota, who's not trying to draft. I mean, they're not trying to draft anybody. They're trying no. to win now. They want. They were in on the D low, so it's not. Like, they're in on D low, so it's not like they're not trying to spend money. You can get Jeff Teague back, even if you don't play him. That, but that'll open up cap for next year because Jeff makes enough where you can give Jeff and maybe get a Cates Diop Bates, a young talent, and maybe a pick or something to get Drew. You know, they got they got some young talent on that bench. Um, that that really they're they're so crowded and so young that those players aren't really playing, but they have some young players. But at the same on time. You can't. I, I get it. It's it sucks. Now here, that's a team that should be signing Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris and and those well, they, kind of veterans. Well, they did sign Taj Gibson. They let him go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Dibs. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Anything you want to touch on before we get to the main segment? Uh, Trey Young. Uh, briefly, we're gonna talk about this more next episode because I'm gonna do a blog on the website. Uh, we talked about how Trey, our our different views on Trey and Doncic. Um, you know, you were talking about Doncic, you know, making the playoffs uh, or being a playoff contender. But now I think Trey's trying to feel, um, kind of feeling that pressure. We all know when you're drafted with somebody, you compare yourself to them. And Trey is obviously he was traded for Doncic. So the things that we say, he's keeping up. He's following those stats. And the one thing that he can't, anything he does this season, people like you are always going to say, well, Doncic's winning. You know what I mean? And you can see it's getting to Trey. Now there's reports that Trey's getting frustrated. They've seen him arguing with management because he wants some help in there. I mean, Collins have been injured. They went out and got like Jabari Parker and traded for Chandler Parsons and all type of bullshit instead of actually Thank trying you, to Thank you, Atlanta, put, by the way. Yeah, instead of actually trying to put talent. Now, I can see the long term of what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know hold some of that cap space and get off some contracts, get some picks and build the right way you're supposed to do it. But when you're a player like Trey Young and you're putting in all this all this um, work and you're and you're not getting the respect because you're not winning, it can get frustrating. You can start to see the frustration on Trey's face. What do you what do you think? Do you think Atlanta's doing the right thing or do you think they should rush to go get a, you know, overpay? Maybe go get a DeRozan or a LaMarcus Aldridge or something and get stuck with that contract. At the end of the day, you know, Trey Trey Young's gonna pay his dues. I mean, yeah, Steph Curry, as we talked about earlier, the Warriors were a losing franchise. You know what I mean? It, it happens. The Cleveland Cavaliers were a losing franchise. Um, it happens. So you're so, siding with the organization on this one. One thousand percent. Like, why would you mortgage your future for Demar Derozan? <laughs> and I, I just mean, threw that name out no, there. No, no, there's, I, there's other like, players. I get it. But like, what what does bringing in Drew Holiday? I mean, maybe Drew Holiday fits nicely nah, there, but usage rate but, on Trey is way too high. That you know, he actually has the highest usage rate <laughs> in the league. Him and Doncic, yeah, they 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 have the ball in their hands more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But what but what do you do if you're Atlanta? Because you got Kevin Herter, who I like, but he's you been got, hurt all season. He's been hurt, but you've got uh, DeAndre Hunter, who I like. You've you've I love started Hunter. to see. You start to see Cam Reddish start to make some noise and, and wake up. And that's so one that, of those things we say. You have to play him and let them play through those kinks. Because yep. he's struggling, but he's getting better. 
But but you if you're Trey, you just kind of you got to take the lumps, man. I mean, you got to be patient. Who are they going to bring in that's going to transform Atlanta from where they are now to where does he want to be? Because no matter who they bring in, what's it going to do? Take him to the eighth seed? Yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. I just really want to see your opinion on it because I'm totally with you. I think everything that Atlanta's doing is the right way. I think it's the best thing for Trey in his future. I know he wants to chase Doncic right now and get that same credibility. He lost to, he lost the um, rookie of the year, which I thought they should have been co-MVPs. So he lost that. This year, um, he's on pace statistically with Doncic, but Doncic's winning. The, the Dallas Mavericks went out and got KP. They went out, you know, and built around him. Even Tim Hardaway Jr., who busted nine threes on Sunday, you know, they built around Doncic to make him win now. Trey's going to have to settle down because I think what Atlanta's doing is the right thing. They're building just like, you know, you've seen Philly, you've seen Golden State. All those bad contracts and making you play through it, it's going to pay off, especially if he keeps playing like he's playing because then players are going to want to come play with him. He's going to get John Collins back in a couple of weeks. That should be exciting. DeAndre Hunter is a really good player. I think they're going to be really good in the future, and they have some really good young talent. He just have to be. You have to be well, patient, hell. baby. Troy, Troy, uh, Trey been losing forever. It ain't like Oklahoma was any damn good. Like he hey, hey, used hey, to hey. winning. Cut it the fuck out. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna deal with this. Y'all just <laughs> got beat by Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky owns you. They <laughs> own you. <laughs> tell, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me. Tell me Western Kentucky don't own Arkansas. You know what? <laughs> you ain't. You're not even a, a, a Oklahoma basketball fan. Somehow, okay. I don't want to hear this. Still, respect it. You ain't just gonna sit on here and disrespect them while I'm on here, though. I can tell you that right now. So, let's get to the main segment. Yeah. We wanted. We wanted to talk to you guys about. We got got a little ESPN Update. alert here. Eagle sport uh, still trash. Uh, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> We want to talk about how we got to what you and I have talked about as being the peak of basketball, the golden age, if you will. Yeah, let me um, introduce this. You have a you have a way of straying off the point. All right, all right. So as we all know, we're gonna talk about the basketball evolution, um, how how the NBA has progressed from the Jordan era all the way up to 2019. If you watch basketball and you've been following basketball, you know how basketball goes through eras. You know what I mean? The and We can start from the 80s because that's really the only relevant, you know, beginning. Anything else before that, I mean, I guess you got to go back to the Celtics. <coughs> so you had the Magic. You had the Magic and um, Larry, Larry Bird era in the 80s. Then Jordan took over in the 90s. After Jordan left, there was a void. Who was going to be the next era what was the next era going to be was it going to be a player era was it going to be a team era what were we going to see and we really didn't know what we were going to get when jordan finally retired in 98 i mean we had seen such greatness for eight years even when he left i mean kareem took over and you saw great historic play you saw when jordan left the first time you had teams competing teams hungry the bulls were still did you say kareem took over i mean hakeem i said hakeem hakeem the dream took over so, by the way, I, I just want to say real quick, y'all, exciting game just happened. Sacramento just beat Houston on a buzzer beater. Uh, real nice game, by the way. <laughs> Went back and forth. And this um, is why you don't introduce segments. You don't have bad, the respect but go, but go ahead. to introduce the segment. <laughs> exactly the what Kings, I was talking man. about. <laughs> so, so, what we're going to be talking about on this first, uh, first episode is we're going to go through the, the void left by Jordan. And we're, we're really going to touch on from 98 to about 
2008. You know, yeah. because uh, then you had kind of the big three put together. That's a whole different thing. We want to focus on from 98 to 2008, the things that happened then. So, go. Yeah, um, it's kind of like what you said. For after after Mike left the 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 second time before he was a wizard, which yeah. you know, hey, we don't we talk about, we don't talk about that on this podcast. Yeah. I thought we yeah, agreed we, about that. I don't even acknowledge that. <laughs> so um, you know, Mike left, and the NBA was obsessed with finding the next Michael Jordan. I mean, you had cats. Dewan Wagner was the next Michael Ooh, Jordan. Yeah, sixty three hey, in high school. Hey, being from Memphis, Dewan Wagner was one of the coldest dudes walking. Hey, man, I was what a he, big Dewan Wagner fan. What do you have? Colon can? Well, something. He had like his whole large intestines removed or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, quick story. I want to get sidetracked, but you know all the people that talk about Calipari uh, for the reason why he supports the one and done. If you ever get a chance to watch him tell the Dewan Wagner story, once I saw that, I really understood. He basically said that. Dewan Wagner pretty much had an illness that nobody knew about. If he would have stayed one more year in college, then he would not have been able to pay for like his surgeries and things like that that happened. So because he went pro, when they found out whatever it was, I can't remember what it was, Calipari was like, he went there, he went pro for that one year and got that contract because NBA contracts are guaranteed, and he's a millionaire now. So even yep. though his career was over, if he would have stayed one more year in college, that could have drastically impacted his life. He wouldn't be a millionaire. He wouldn't be where. Now, there might have been some other stuff. He could have been an assistant coach or something. But because he got that one rookie contract, it enabled him to pay for it, get healthy, and become a millionaire. That's why Calipari said he supports all players going pro whenever possible. 1,000%. And for those of y'all that are too young to know who Dewan Wagner is, do yourself a favor. Cole. Go watch Dewan Wagner. The nephew of what's his name, Worldwide West, one of the orchestrators of like all these NBA moves in the two thousands. Yep. So I mean, the the, the dude was bad. Um, but you had like we said, everybody was the next Michael Jordan. Vince Carter was the next Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant was the next Michael Jordan. T Mac, Sebastian Telfair for some reason. I mean, the the and that's not because Telfair was a bad dude in high school. Yeah. Um, but literally everyone who was coming in the NBA, it, you kind of had that search to find the next Jordan. And, and Kobe, Kobe was the most obvious choice. I mean, every time they played, he went against Jordan. At this point in time, Kobe had kind of built himself up far from the 96 season. You, has, you could see it. Um, Jordan could even see it. Jordan, you, you heard people talk about how developed his game was. I mean, he was still – him and Shaq hadn't quite meshed yet. They didn't have the right coach. I think they had Rudy T or somebody at the time. Uh, yeah. So they were no they were, no 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 they had Dale Harris Dale Harris so Rudy T hadn't yeah. came yet no that was but he was oh that, that was after the, the third okay yeah yeah so they they hadn't really messed yet um they you didn't see the dominance that you would see in the early two thousands but one of the most interesting things that gets overlooked after Jordan retired in ninety eight Jordan retires in ninety nine it's a lockout season so we don't even know that that could have changed Jordan might not have retired if ninety nine wasn't a lockout season. You know what I'm saying? There could have been some things that happened because Jordan was on one-year contracts. He could have went to another team. Well, but, but the Bulls, you go back and read, uh, you know, a lot of what, like Phil Jackson's first book. And, um, you know, it, it was widely known that, that the Bulls were going to blow it up no matter what. No, uh, no, I'm not, Jer- talk, I'm not talking about the Bulls. Jordan was going to leave, but he was, he, he was under a one-year contract. So yeah. I'm saying it could have been different if the season would have started on time as opposed to, like, December. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, it started uh, Christmas or something. Christmas or some shit like that. And that um, also was was um, important 
because David Robinson got hurt. And David Rob, they pretty much tanked that season, enabling the San Antonio Spurs, who were a good, solid team with Avery Bradley. I mean, Avery, Avery uh, Johnson. Avery Johnson. And, and David, Sean Elliott. David Robinson, Sean Elliott. That was a good 50-win team to get Tim Duncan, one of the best all-time power forwards, on their team. And he went to an already good team. Yep. And they won a title a year or two later with him. Uh, Did they so, win that year? So maybe no, that happened so in 98. Duncan won, was drafted. Yeah, they won Duncan in 99. Duncan was drafted in 97. They won in 99. No, no, that's you said Duncan, Duncan was drafted in 97. Yeah. No, Duncan was drafted in 97. Yeah, so he so I'm off. I said it happened. Duncan was drafted a year before Jordan retired. So that yeah. was that was when um David Robinson got hurt allowing yeah. them to get Duncan. And Correct. that kind of changed the league. Then you had the lockout year and then when they came back Duncan and Robinson was the Twin Towers and pretty much dominated. You even had the Knicks make the finals. God, as an eight seed. <laughs> um, let me ask you something, man. When you think back on early 2000s basketball, like up until, we'll, we'll call it up until 2007, 2008, when Boston put together the big three, um, what do you think of, of when you think of early 2000s basketball? Would you say that it was a – because I see a lot of people that say this was the best time for basketball, and I wholeheartedly disagree. Uh, well, you know, the NBA is made by dynasties. So, I mean, we love to hate dynasties. A lot of – you know, everyone says they hate this squad. They hate that. I hate the Lakers. I hate Golden State. What brings ratings to the NBA has always been dominant teams. And I would say during the 2000s, you had the San Antonio Spurs and you had the L.A. Lakers. It was a great rivalry. It was a great rivalry. Um, whoever came out, whoever won that matchup out of the West is pretty much winning the championship. You had Shaq and Kobe. You had Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker. It was exciting basketball for those Western Conference Finals, and that's all we kind of remember. I mean, we kind of talk about Steve Nash and all these scenes, but that's that's the blunt of it. I mean, San Antonio Spurs won four championships. The uh, L.A. Lakers won five in the 2000s. But what I think of whenever we think about that era is Shaq and Kobe. I mean, I don't know how you can think of anything else. Yeah, but what I think what gets glossed over is that the NBA was having some they were struggling. They were having some big time image issues. Yeah. You talk you talk about um Allen Iverson ushering in, you know, the hip hop era and, you know, the league was too black, too many thugs, you know, you, you know, you look back and you there's a clip out there, everyone's seen it of Allen Iverson's mom braiding his hair on the bench. It's like, come on, man. Love that that, that might be the that might be the blackest moment in history. But that's uh, also why I say, uh, when you look back, you can say what you want about Iverson, but I think that Allen Iverson was one of the most influential players in the NBA NBA. Like top three influential oh, players ever in the NBA. He changed basketball as we know it. The look of the basketball, the feel of basketball, how we take it in and consume basketball. He changed everything about it. I agree the, with you. the reason why we got the dress code, the reason why all these players have tattoos and braids and dreads, he made it okay for you to be yourself, express yourself. You didn't have to be corporate. You didn't have to be Michael Jordan. And that's one thing people forget. We think this new era of the of the late 2000 and 2010, those players didn't look up to Jordan. I mean, they respected him as a player, but they looked up to Allen Iverson like LeBron and Wade and all those players. You hear them talk. They looked up to Allen Iverson, not Michael Jordan. And you respect Michael Jordan because he's the best player. But Michael Jordan well, was like your dad. He was like your father. Right. He Allen right. Iverson was like you. You felt like you were my Allen Iverson. You know what I'm saying? He liked everything and you liked. Connect. The fact that he was, you know, they say he was 6'1", which is generous. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he's a little dude and he's balling. But 
the NBA again had some major major issues. Um, you had the malice at the palace. That was you bad. had, I mean, it was they were. You had then you had your golden boy, um, Kobe Bryant. Now he catches a rape charge. I mean, tr- really and truly. Um, and then, and on top of that, you had the Tim Donaghy scandal, which was so obvious when you watch that Lakers King series. Um, on top of that, you've got high school kids coming out of, uh, or kids coming out of high school left and right and Flooding completely league. failing. Um, you know who, the, who was the worst of that? Indiana Pacers. Oh, Jonathan Bender. <laughs> they took every long 6'8 kid with potential out of high school. They were snatching them up. <laughs> so while we like to look back on how nostalgic, the you know, on, on that part of history, the, the NBA that we know today, like, wouldn't be recognized because it, the NBA had so many image issues that they had to correct. And it really wasn't until the late part of the decade to where they were able to get back on track. The, but the I, Lakers... I, I think that depends on which side you're viewing it from. If you're viewing it from the corporate side, then yeah, it was a big problem. But as you know, as a youth looking at it, I didn't think that any of those things was a problem. That was one of the funnest times in the league for me watching with players like Stefan Marbury, Allen Iverson, Steve Francis. Like I loved watching those players. I connected with those players. Been a young black man. I, no, I agree with you, know you on, I mean? on that level, but I, I just mean basketball as a brand. The NBA as a brand was not good, um, it, but you know, you, I think they go got back. a new fan base. A lot of I think they grew a new fan base from that era. So what you call is not good. I would say for the corporate sponsors, what Allen Iverson brought in, they had to, you know, you had the people in baggy pants sagging ear, like they had to curtail that and put in a dress code. I'm okay with that, but a lot of things that you're saying that is viewed as a bad thing, they had to incorporate in there, incorporate into but, the league. L- Look at look at the style of basketball that was being played uh, back then. Let's compare it to now or compare it to the '90s. You every you know the the difference between you know the Jordan era and the post Jordan era was even though Jordan was uh, an ISO player, um, you still had teams that were that were making the finals and playing well. Yeah. Um, but everyone, it was ISO ball, ISO ball. You this was the era of you know you pass it to your your main player if it's Kobe if it's Gilbert Arenas if it's Stefan Marbury and four other guys going or eight other guys really go stand on the other side of the court and they go one-on-one whether it's Iverson T-Mac wh- whomever um it just like you know it wasn't and that's why the the odd the odd thing was the Spurs were boring because they played team basketball yeah, I agree. the Mavs you know well this brand of basketball is not going to win the Suns this brand of basketball is not going to win the Pistons nobody wanted to see the Pistons play even though if you look back now if you put the Pistons in today's league man that's a that team is a problem. They shit. They might be like the Clippers. Yeah, but that's a that's a mentality thing. That's why I said when you get so called and coming out of eras, because in the eighties you had team basketball. I mean, you you were used to seeing that. And then Michael Jordan and 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 it started a transition with Isaiah Thomas. I would say um, Zeke. I mean, because they did they did play team basketball, but it was kind of Iverson style. Get out the way and let Zeke do his thing. We're gonna play defense, rebound, get the ball back. But, but he was a distributor too, and yeah, a yeah, wildly inefficient he, shooter. But yes, he I, was. I agree but he was a lot like Iverson. I mean, we got. But you, but you look at those Pistons teams though. Like Bill Lambeer was was a shooter yeah. uh, for a big man, which wasn't common. It, even when they had Rick Mahorn, who was your rebounder, you had um, you know who they trade Mark Aguirre, and they they got back uh, Adrian Dant or Adrian Dantley and got back uh, 
about Mark Aguirre. I mean, they, they had a lot of players around, but well, I get I get your point. My, yeah. my general point was just that you went out of an era in the 80s that was team-oriented basketball, deep teams, a bunch of different players win it to Jordan dominating. And that was fun. That was watching, get out the way, let Jordan do his thing. There's a lot of times when Jordan was like three for 36. People don't remember oh, that. Yeah. Everybody feels oh, like yeah. every time Jordan shot the ball, it went in. Not true. You Correct. know what I'm saying? He had some bad nights. You know what I mean? He had some duds. He had some duds. Even in the playoffs, he had duds. Yeah, but but the, the it was fun to watch when you think back on it. Like, we um, glorify that time, but the bottom half, you had other players trying to be like Jordan. Everybody thought that all it took was one player to change your team because the Bulls got Jordan. You know what I'm saying? But even with that Bulls team, you had a lot of players around him, a lot of role players. It's just Jordan was so dominant. So you come out of that, and now you have these other players thinking they're going to be Jordan. Because that's the residual effect when you come out of a great era with a great player. If you don't have that great player to plug in and go along, that's what happens. So now you got Reggie Miller, who's probably the best of the era that's trying to carry your team. You got Allen Iverson. You got Ray Allen on the Bucks. You got Vince Carter on the Toronto. And they all play that ISO style, give it to your player, get out the way. You got Tracy McGrady, whether he's on Orlando or he's going to Houston. You know what I mean? All these teams are trying to play that style. And it wasn't until... Later in the 2000s, where people say, hey, that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work. Right. I mean, we tried and, it with Iverson. Iverson got to the finals. But one of the greatest final runs ever when you look at it. When you're oh, talking absolutely. about ISO ball, that was like Iverson played Reggie Miller. <laughs> you know, ISO thing. And, and, but it, you know what's so impressive about that 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 run that people don't remember? Because, like, I got to be honest. I, like, Iverson, I'm not the biggest Iverson fan. I, I definitely think that he's an icon and a great player. Um, and sometimes I, I often wonder, you know, you know, I'm like, well, that that league, that style, whatever. But you look at the teams he ran through to get to the finals. He had to play Paul Pierce and that Boston team no, and Antoine no, he Walker. Didn't, he didn't play them. He played. Uh, he played Reggie Miller. He played Reggie Miller in that team. Oh, he, Jason Kidd went through Paul Pierce to yeah, get to the, to the finals. Yeah, That's he played right. Reggie Miller in the Pacers. Then he went to. I don't know if this is the right order. Uh, Vince Carter in Toronto, I believe they yeah. had Tracy McGrady then too. And they were they were they were going back and forth yeah. for like fifty each game. Yep. Then you went to Milwaukee Bucks with the old Ray Allen. I had a dude tell me Ray Allen couldn't dunk. Boy, you better go uh, look Ray, at those highlights when Ray, Ray Allen was Milwaukee dunking in Seattle. Fools. Y'all, y'all <laughs> see, and that's why people don't realize when when Ray Allen made the biggest sacrifice of that big three in Boston because. Yeah. People remember him as his later stage as just a shooter. Ray Allen would dunk on you in a heartbeat. Like, that dude was bad. Yeah, he's such a good spot-up shooter. People thought that's all he was. No, Ray Allen was an all-around go-to carry-the-team carry type player. I mean, yep. averaging 30, double teams. You know, he wasn't Reggie Miller. You know what I mean? But he wasn't like a spot-up J.J. Redick, you know. But he had his own thing. He was super athletic. So, I... I just thought that Iverson one was one of the greatest, but you're right. That was not a good brand of basketball. It was no. it wasn't a good brand of basketball. That's why when Detroit came, they shook up the whole league. Like you can't And win. everyone hated it. Yeah, you couldn't you can't win with this style, this tough play style. You can't win with nope. that. Miami Heat went and copied it. <laughs> yep. And and so when when do you think that it started to change? Because like I said, you you, you had <laughs> On top of all that, just when it seemed like things were starting to turn around, you got Gilbert Arenas going around doing what he did with Javar. Hey, Age zero, <laughs> you know. And, and let me tell you. So here's the thing, kids. 
I won't say kids, but young people nowadays act like if it did, if it, if they didn't see it, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Man, Gilbert Arenas, bad boy. Even in Golden State, bad if boy. that dude's knees hadn't gave out on him, and the, and the gun charges didn't happen, the gun charge that he brought into the Washington Ridges Stadium every single know, day. <laughs> His own doing, but Gilbert Arenas, that dude was a problem. Yeah, um, and that's actually how I became like the Warriors are like my second favorite team. It's not because of the new Warriors. It's really because I'm a North Carolina fan. So when Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter left, you know, I kind of followed the Raptors and I kind of followed the Warriors. But then I was finding games with Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson, and Josh Richardson. I mean, those were just low-key gym games. I mean, Antoine Jameson was dropping 50 pieces. Gilbert was shooting from half court. Jason Richardson was dunking on people. I mean, that was some of the best brand of non-winning basketball I had ever seen. It was like the Warriors have always been a fun team to watch. They just didn't always win. You go back to the history of the Warriors, they've always been fun. They've always been exciting. From Run TNC to Rick Barry back in the 70s. I mean, always. Yeah, they just just didn't always win. But they've always been. The we believe Warriors when they upset Dallas. Yeah, um, Baron Davis so, with Matt Matt Barnes and uh, Stephen Jackson, yep. Monte uh, Ellis when he didn't have a motorcycle accident when he was dunking on fools. Yep. Oh, I forgot about that accident. Yeah, Monte. You know, I, it's funny because Monte's uh, Monte Ellis, his wife was a police officer in Memphis, so like really? I always watch. Yeah, because he's from some little shit town in Mississippi, and I always I was like, oh shit, that's his wife because he would be in Memphis all the time. Yeah, Monte and, Ellis uh, came straight out of high school, and people don't mm-hmm. remember. They remember the old Monte Ellis with the mid range, and you know he was still cold. But if you go back and look to when he was coming off the bench of that Baron Davis squad. When he what he was doing then, what happened is when they let Baron Davis and them go, they gave Monte his big contract, and he had a big motorcycle accident. That yep. was before they I forgot. Were, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that was before they were putting that in the contracts that that could void out your contract. He messed up his knee. And, oh, because you, you talk about what ifs. Jay Williams, uh, Williams. Jay Williams. If yep. uh uh-uh. I mean, no, you uh, remember he, uh, what's Jason it? Williams. Jason Williams. Yeah. Yeah. If if uh. If he didn't get in that motorcycle accident, uh, either way, we're getting off track. But the, the point hey, is were, that they, era, they were in that era, wasn't they? That era was littered with individual talent. But if you go back and watch now, man, some of them, them games, you had finals games. Like, you know, those Lakers-Pistons games were ending like 71 to 69 in the finals. Um, really not a good brand of basketball. And it really was. I mean, you, you had the Suns, who were a bit more modern um, under that uh, D'Antoni system. You had the Mavericks. Um you know, but, but it, it, it didn't it didn't really start to change though until the big three. I mean, even though even though San Antonio had that team, it was it was widely kind of considered luck. You know how they kind of put that team together with Tony Parker, Ginobili. They just had some excellent finds overseas. But was it the big three? Because I believe you so. re- when everybody I, started to build their team like that, because even well, in the two thousands, I mean, you had basically you had Shaq and Kobe. That was still considered the the thing to do: get big two big superstars. But as yeah. far as building a team, San Antonio was always considered boring. Like but nobody I, really I built think, their team like that. I think what changed the fortune of the NBA, especially you know in two thousand four and two thousand three, as as Kobe's rape case was going on, the Lakers were still at their height. The 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 um, Spurs were at their height, but LeBron James, uh, they had someone who they could absolutely that they could grasp, and that they, they they felt that they had the next big thing. LeBron James would, had been the biggest and best prospect since Jordan. 
But largely, he still played like Jordan. I mean, you start going back and looking at those teams, they weren't building full teams. We're talking about when they really started to play team ball. Yes, as a player, he was a distributor, more of a willing pastor. He probably brought in that unselfishness basketball. But as far as building a full team, I don't think that came until the big three. Yeah. And then you had Dwayne Wade obviously come in and winning a championship in Miami in his set or third year um, with Shaq. Um, that helped. But, it, still, you know, still kind of just give him, give him the ball, get the fuck out the way. And not to mention <laughs> terrible, piss poor, absolutely horrendous officiating. No, no. Uh, they were fouls. They, those were fouls. <laughs> it, it was one of those things because, you know, David Stern is one of them cats to where if he don't like you and he hated Mark Cuban, he hated him. It was one of those things where you could con- it's conceivable that he called and was like, "No, nah, this motherfucker is not winning a ring, listen, not on my watch." Listen, this is this is getting out of hand. You you've been real disrespectful tonight. I don't know if you and your feelings because Arkansas just hired Sam Pittman or what, but you're not gonna just keep this. You try to put an asterisk by my guy's championship. No, 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 no asterisks because Dwayne right. Wade was All the right. closest thing to Michael Jordan that anyone had ever seen since Jordan left uh, in that series. In that series, yeah. In that series. Because Shaq Iverson, was nothing. Even though Allen Iverson didn't win, man, he carried them. That was a trash ass team. Yeah, but Dwayne Wade in that finals went to like a Super Saiyan level. Man, he had George Lynch as like <laughs> and Eric Snow and Aaron McKee, Rajah Bell. A div- and I don't. First of all, Dikembe Mutombo was Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, he was. Uh, Are you giving it to Mutombo to do anything on offense? Yeah, but he had Todd McCullough and Keith Van Horn. All right, I don't want to hear nothing. Man, nothing Keith Van Horn Eric couldn't Snow. hit the broad side of a basket at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Van Horn. He had Matt Geiger on that team. All right, don't disrespect these players. Uh, Nazir Muhammad. <laughs> you know, shit, he's still playing. Uh, uh, they did Theo Ratliff wrong. Theo Ratliff oh, was Theo the one Ratliff. that was that was carrying him, and they traded his ass for Matumbo. <laughs> shit, I think they so, traded him and uh, Muhammad. They so. You know, you go back through that time of history, um, you realize now you've got players in the NBA, actually majority of the NBA, that never saw Jordan play. Yeah, man, you got fans that never. That's why I'm so glad that that series is coming out because you got people that saying Jordan is overrated. Which is insane. Yeah, like they're seeing clips. Like, you can't, man, I can't wait till they do this 10-part Word, Words can't describe it. how good Michael Jordan was. They, they, And I don't even mean that from basketball standpoint. Because when, when you start telling the stories, it sounds like shit you made up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, he beat a triple team and dunked on two people. Like, like he's just the, <laughs> the legend that is Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah. But th- that's the crazy thing is, like, you talk about kids that looked up to Iverson. But we, we Michael Jordan's last championship was 21 years ago. There, and and even the the kids who were what twenty five, they didn't see Michael play. Nah, they didn't. You they just, didn't see him play. Just hear about him. It's kind of like I mean, I see clips, but I never watch Magic play. You know what I right. mean? I never yeah. saw the Magic and Bird robbery. At some point, right. you're gonna get out of that. You just gotta continue to respect the talent. But um, that's kind of when I was talking about the Westbrook thing. Is you have people saying that you know Jordan wasn't the best. People think that Jordan was always widely considered the best player ever. That, that wasn't Which, the case. In, like, 97 and 98, there were still people saying Jordan is not better than Magic Johnson. Like, that yep. didn't happen until, like, four, three or four years after Jordan retired. People were like, oh, yeah, he was the best. But while well, he was there, I, think, I think during the, that last championship, it was, okay, he's got six rings. He's got more rings than Magic. He's got more rings than yeah, everybody I mean, but Bill Russell. Yeah, I mean, he definitely went. That last championship definitely put him in the, 
you know, 65, 70 range. But I yep. mean, even that year at five, when he got to five titles, the, t- the thing was, well, he don't got more titles than um, Magic. Magic was a better player. He won more. He won. He didn't he have more more titles than Kareem. Yeah, and he had more titles than Kareem. Then he gets the fifth one. Okay, and then he started moving toward. Then you see what he did that last year, the second three peak. It got kind of undeniable when he well, hit the game when it shot. People don't remember. Scottie Pippen's back was hurt that last three-peat, and they almost lost to the Pacers that year. Reggie Miller and those Pacers almost snuffed that cha- that last championship out. Man, how bad did Reggie Miller have it? Reggie Miller played on some really good teams, and he was really, really good. And then and and we the, thought the best he- team he had, Ron Artest went and fucked it up. Yeah. I'm convinced that that Pacers team... They probably win a title if Ron Artest does not go in there and, and whoop some people's asses. That, that Pacers team won. Uh, was that the team? Which which team won? Sixty nine and thirteen. That was that. That was him, Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest. Uh, uh, who was their point? Mark? No, nah, not Mark Jackson. Who was their point guard? Uh, I know you're talking Jamal about Jamal Tinsley and somebody else. I can't nah, remember. I, was it Jamal Tinsley then, or was it the it was uh, Tinsley, little dude but they that had was somebody on, else? He got game. <laughs> Little light skinned dude. Uh, I uh Jamal. Ah, no, nah, it wasn't. I don't Jamal. remember who it was. I know you're talking about. Uh, but they still had Rick Smith at the time. I mean, they really they had good a, center. They Dale Davis. Jama- Dale Davis. I mean, they had a good. I think Detlef Shrimp was on that team too. Or okay. was that was that too late? I think, I think that's later. I can't remember. I can't remember. When Either way, was. that that o three o four o five Pacers team, they should have won a title. They should have won a title. Somewhere but you had there. a you had a, like we thought that. When uh, when Jordan left, that we did you think that I really thought Reggie was gonna get one because Reggie has some oh, yeah. really good teams, yeah. really good teams, yeah. really good player, really balanced team, really well coached, and he just luck, man, bad luck. Even when Iris and them beat him because they used to yep. dominate the Sixers, you know what I mean? Yep. And then they went to the uh, then they go to the um, they lost to the kid, right? Jesse. No, they they went to the finals. They lost to the Lakers in two thousand. Two thousand, yeah, they did. They went to play the Lakers in two thousand, and that and, was when. So if you run into Michael, then you finally get your shot, and then you run into Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> well, it's you their fault, I mean? man. They sh- they shouldn't have got beat by New York. They might have beat that San Antonio squad. In I think they would. That that Pacers team is one of the more underrated teams in history. Yeah. Um, but they, we get out but, of here, but man. that's what I'm saying, though. So they kind of hurt themselves because they didn't beat New York to get against San Antonio. Then they lost. Then at that point in time, the Lakers are dominant. So they didn't win again in 2000. Even if they go back in 2001, in which they lost in the first round, they go against yep. an all-time great fucking Iverson. Uh, Lakers team. That Lakers yep. is like one of the all-time great teams. They lost one game that entire Yeah, and, to Iverson. And, and that was because Allen Iverson went to another another level, 51 points, uh, you know, Res- in overtime. Respect, respect AI. So end of the day, though, I mean that that era was dominated by dynasty. So I don't want to hear when people t- hear listen to NBA fans. You say you get tired of Golden State or you get tired of LeBron. Just remember the NBA is always it's always led by dynasties. There's not a lot of teams that are winning NBA championships in the eighties. You, you ha- go ahead. You know, and you can you know we can kind of talk a little bit about it. We'll get into this in further episodes. But you you talk about that Lakers team and you know. Shaq and Kobe and the they they were the first dynasty, you know, um post MJ. Yeah. But do you feel like the Lakers underachieved? Definitely. I, I mean Definitely. I mean they, know, I mean by time because you know that that Lakers team was so good and I think it came it started to come so easy. Like it it was it was kind of different than 
the Bulls and Jordan. You know, that team was winning by straight willpower. But I think overall, we thought that the team that they were playing were close to the Bulls team in that first three-peat. You know what I mean? Like, the yep. teams that Jordan beat, we didn't feel like the Bulls were so much better than them. Even when the Bulls played the Jazz, we didn't think the Bulls were so much better than the Jazz. When the Lakers started dominating, they were so much better than every other team. They were so much better than that Sixers team. They were so much better than that Nets team that yep. they faced. Even when they um when they lost and they came back and they brought all those old players together, we thought In that, 03. Yeah, we thought that, oh, this is going to be the time. It's just yep. they, they, they they had a short run where they were just one of the most dominant teams. We thought that were gonna that was gonna last like six. They went seven, to four finals years. in five years and really I mean, you and I disagree. I still think they could have won that that uh, that Pistons finals um, if they played a different style. But I think the, I think the I think the D, I think they had the perfect game plan for the Pistons. I mean, but, you're probably I mean, right. For, that for Pistons team again. If that that Pistons team, if you put them in any era, that team is a good team. You put them today, you put them in the '90s. That team is going to be a problem because because Sheed Wallace. If you look at it. That team is probably one of the most versatile teams in history because one thousand percent. It's hard for you to find um, a perimeter defense that could play that style because Chauncey, and you had a perfect starting five. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got Chauncey Billups, Richard Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, who's long and can guard like three and four. Then Anybody. You got, yep. Then you got Rasheed Wallace, who can go four or five, and Ben Wallace. You know, that is just a such – they can switch everything. Just yep. in the post with Tayshaun Prince being so long and so tall, in down low they can switch everything. And then you have um, uh, Chauncey Billups and Richard Hamilton putting so much pressure on the ball and knowing that they have enough speed and agility back there, they just put so much pressure on you handling the ball where you can't even get in your sets. Remember, you got a 10-second get across the court, 24-second shot clock, and they're picking you up full court and shit. And then even from an offensive standpoint, Billups could shoot. Rip was, I mean, basically, if if he caught the ball within within a two point within that two three point line, he was hitting it. So he was knocking that all, down. All that work that we used to talk about, Reggie Billups, Reggie um, Reggie Miller, Chauncey Billups did the exact same thing on mid range shots. If you yep. just tight Rip curl, Hamilton. Rip Hamilton did all that yep. on mid range shots. I mean, yep. And then and then Tayshawn, who wasn't much of a scorer, but like you said, could defend. But the thing was, Tayshawn, you could not leave him open because no, he, he would knock down Buck. Three and D. Three yep. and D. And, and, then and, you, and, he and he could post you up. People remember when he was in Kentucky, he can give you about 45 on nothing but hook shots. Yep. <laughs> and then you've got uh, Rasheed Wallace, who, like you said, they, they'd gotten from Portland for next to nothing. Atlanta. Uh, he was it Atlanta? A, yeah, he like I, somehow he went to Atlanta. Was in Atlanta for like two weeks. One of the oddest trades ever. Oh he yeah, he got traded. Atlanta was there for like two weeks and got traded to the Pistons and never played for him. Now I think he played. Did he? Yeah, I think he played like a week or they, two. It was weird. They, but they ended up getting him for free at some point. Basically, I mean, you know, but that was back when Rasheed Wallace was getting texts. Was a head case. Rasheed Wallace was Draymond Green, Ron Artest. So if he didn't want to be there, you really didn't want him there. <laughs> and then Ben Wallace, a guy that they got again, they they got in the Rip Hamilton trade with uh with the Wizards because Michael Jordan's dumbass said, "I can't play with this cat. Give me Jerry Stackhouse." Jerry you know Stackhouse. What I mean? Hey, it's but, like, but in Mike's defense, Mike was a part owner, so he was trying to sell tickets too. Yeah, but that should have been everything you needed to see that Mike was not a good GM. Like, but you know, you know who Mike really wanted, and the Bulls just was so shitty to him because they didn't like him. Who he really wanted was uh, Jamal Crawford, and he wasn't wrong. 
But that's who he was really wanted instead of Rip Hamilton. And the Bulls just refused to... The Wizards. Um, no, the Bulls. I mean, when he was the with Bulls? the Wizards, Jamal Crawford was on the Bulls. He was on the Wizards, and he was trying oh, to get Jamal Crawford. Oh, I see what Jamal you're saying. The Crawford. baby Bulls with Kirk yeah, Howard and the, them. The Bulls would not trade Jamal Crawford to the Wizards, but he wanted. He thought Jamal Crawford was like the next him. That's what He was trying to get Jamal Crawford. They would not give him Jamal Crawford. Look, Jamal Crawford was cold. I never thought that fool was next Michael Jordan. <laughs> hey, but, but but he used to work out with um, Jordan. Because even though yeah. he was with the Wizards, Jamal Crawford, I mean, Jordan was always back in Chicago. He used to work out with Jamal Crawford. I don't know what the fuck Jamal Crawford. I mean, if you Jordan and Jamal Crawford can, uh, you know, give you 12 in a game to 15, you probably think he's the coldest motherfucker on earth. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So... That's going to wrap up our, our segment. Um, we kind of want to walk you guys through, you know, while we're, again, I don't think there's enough appreciation for the, the, the basketball era that we're in right now. So I wanted to walk you, you, you back down memory lane. And I, I, and the, the thing about the NBA is that there's so many players and so many teams that, that don't get talked about enough because me, we didn't talk about this very much, and we mentioned his name a couple times. Tracy McGrady. Good night. This dude was winning scoring titles in Orlando. This dude, when he got to Houston, I mean, Tracy McGrady, I know a lot of people say what if with his back or whatever, but god damn, man. Tracy McGrady was a bad dude. People know about Tracy McGrady, but there's also some other players that were just as astounding that we don't talk about anymore. You talk about Baron Davis in his prime with Charlotte. You talk about Steve Francis with Houston, like the vertical 40-inch dunks, the way he used to get to the rim. Steve Francis was next level. Even Stephon Marbury, when he was with Minnesota with KG, that could have been the next Russell Westbrook. I mean, that could have been the first Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. uh, Stephon Marbury and KG, they looked like they were going to be dominant. And then even when they let Stephon Marbury go to the Nets, I think he had like seven or eight straight 40-point games. No, they they traded Marbury to Phoenix. Marbury went to Phoenix? No, I thought he went to the Nets first. He went to the Nets first. And then then they traded – oh, you're right. He went to the Nets, and then they traded him to Phoenix Phoenix for Jason Kidd. The Phoenix traded the Nets for – yeah, then he went to the Phoenix. And he was even good in Phoenix, but there's so many good – but the problem is, like you said, it was the style of basketball. Everyone thought that if you have one star, and everyone wanted to be the star, just like I said, Stefan Marbury instead, was there with KG, but the way it was, he couldn't be the star. So he left literally to be the star. Minnesota decided to roll the dice with Rafe LaFrance and Wally Zerbiak and Troy Hudson. Nah, it wasn't him. It was, uh, who did they get? I, uh, man, I got to find it. You'll know the name, uh, who they really thought would replace Stefan Marbury. What? Because uh, we had Troy Hudson. Nah, had, he came. Uh, he came from. Um, he came from Memphis. Was uh, Vancouver. He came from Vancouver. He's a point guard in Vancouver. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> uh, it wasn't uh, Sharif. It was. Nah, uh, nah, it was the point guard. It was with Sharif. He's Michael the, Dickerson. Nah, nah. Dickerson was the. Uh, he went. Oh, he was a shooting guard. Who yeah, he was, was a shooting that? guard? Left handed. It was the point guard for Minnesota. I got to look that up because. But he. That's the person. Anthony Peeler. No. Is that who that was? All you're thinking of is shooting guard, left-handed shooting guards. I, because only only point guard I really remember from Vancouver was uh oh no that was no nah, that wasn't him either. Let me see. Um, well go ahead and tell them what we're gonna talk about next episode, and I'm gonna find. Yeah, it. so guys, coming up, we got uh we've we've got a lot more coming for you. We're gonna talk about the Lakers. Terrell Dynasty. Brandon. Terrell Brandon. Terrell Brandon. And he didn't oh. come for. I was wrong. He came from uh he came from Cleveland. Then you had Malik Seeley, rest yeah. in peace. 
uh, you know. But coming up, guys, we're going to continue this series. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers and the dynasty that should have been better. Um, we're going to talk about the San, San Antonio Spurs and their revolution. Um, yeah. You know. Where does Pop and Duncan rank all time, um, and and where did the Spurs rank in history? Because I still feel like the Spurs, even though we all hate them, they don't get the respect they deserve. Yeah, this um, this episode was more of an overview of that time, but we really wanted to touch on the Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs in detail. We didn't want to spend a lot of time just talking about those individual teams. We want to give them their own episode because, like I said, they dominated the 2000s. Four championships for San Antonio, five for L.A. They were the 2000s. They were the Boston yep. Celtics, L.A. Lakers of the 80s. So they deserve yep. their own show to really dissect those teams. Yep. And, and, you know, we kind of touched on a little bit, um, and we'll get to the Celtics and the Lakers because, as I said, the, the NBA had some real image issues, and the Lakers and Celtics, once again, as they did in the 80s, kind of saved that um, again in the late 2000s. So um, we got a lot in store for you guys. I don't know about saved it, but. Yeah, you think about it because those fans that they needed were Lakers and, and, and Celtics fans, you know? Uh, Rating, ratings did start to kind of drop. It was kind of the same old, same old, especially after um, Shaq left that Lakers team and then the Lakers weren't as good and then you were watching Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns. So you did have a drop-off before they were able to rebuild. Yep. So that's where we're at, guys. We're, we're going to keep you... We're going to keep you informed on the NBA, both current and we're going to make sure that y'all know your facts. So when you get in your little stupid water cooler comment, <laughs> uh, arguments and conflicts at work, yo, I heard the two smart dummies say this, this, and this. Why we, they got to be gonna stupid, keep you informed. You know, hey, I, oh, you know, because we have stupid arguments. You know what I mean? <laughs> Our people, you and I will sit here and argue about whether or not Jeff Hornacek should have been playing in 1996, Jeff 1997. Horn- Jeff Hornacek was cold on Phoenix, I mean, Philly, don't forget. Never forget. He was called. Jeff Hornsack was a bad dude rubbing his cheek for them free throws. Um, but that's what we got, y'all. So we, we want to make sure that if you guys love the NBA as much as we do, that you guys bang it here. We've got a lot of good con- content coming for you. We've got the website that's official. You're going to start to see some uh, archived uh, podcasts from us that touch on both our podcasts, our um are the podcasts on the network as well as you're going to start to see some blogs coming from us as well so stay tuned we're doing some big things here at the two smart network yeah and the website is going to be just www.2number2smartnetwork.com uh, we're still touching it up it should be ready to go wednesday or thursday with all the content we need um, also you can still catch us on instagram at number two smart network or you can go to at to the number two smart dummies and we want to once again give a shout out to the the um drunk sports podcast they do live recordings on wednesday we're going to release this on tuesday so tomorrow they're going to be doing a live podcast i mean a live broadcast from 8 p.m to 10 p.m central on facebook live and youtube live that's the um drunk sports podcast with big red and indy car team they're talking sports too Y'all go check out Big Red and IndyCar Indy Tim over on the Big Drunk Podcast. Drunk. Did I say that right? <laughs> no. The Drunk, and Sport, the Drunk Sports Podcast. <laughs> Drunk Sports Podcast. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Y'all have a good week. Peace. Peace.